Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here. Smiling faces looking back at me. There you go. Um, who here has seen the movie The Miracle? All right, some Miracle fans here. Unfortunately, I don't have a clip for you this morning, but uh, if you've seen the movie, it is absolutely fantastic story of the 1980s uh, men's Olympics uh, hockey team. Uh, a couple smiling hockey fans in the crowd, I know. Um, but it's an amazing story. Uh, there were several Friday nights in a row. I would say maybe maybe as many as 11 in a row during my single years, that every Friday night when I get home from work, I would watch this movie. Uh, Yeah, it's sad, you know. I've I've graduated. Holly, you know, introduced me to other types of films and stuff. But um, I'm the kind of person that I like. Uh, when I find a movie I like, I like to watch it over and over and over. So why did I like this movie so much? Uh, it's a terrific story of a team that builds together. Now, the Olympics, like I talked about last week, uh, they used to not be professionals. These were amateur, uh, you know, hockey players. And they were really, really, really good players, but they weren't an all-star team. This was a team that was built of good, good players that worked together as a team And uh, the story basically goes that uh, the coach picked these players because he knew that if they could work as a team, not working on their own individual strengths, but as the strength of a team, uh, then they would win. And weirdly enough, they did. Uh, You might have seen uh, another movie that's kind of like it, uh, Mighty Ducks, uh, which is like the sequel to, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, similar, similar types of films, but... I watch these movies over and over and over because it, it just excites me. There's something about uh, seeing a team pull together that's a really exciting thing for me, and, I, and maybe that's the same thing for you. Something that I got to experience that kind of resonates with me the same way that uh, that movie resonates with me is uh, I, I was in college. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I uh, was in college when Hurricane Katrina happened. It was my senior year, so I wasn't in the city uh, during the hurricane, but afterwards, uh, when I, after I graduated college, I moved back to the city. And honestly, I, I mean, I grew up in this city. It's a very crazy, uh, exciting, energetic city, uh, full of a lot of life and excitement. And, uh, and when I moved back after the hurricane, it was dead. It was a really, really sad time. Uh, and coming back and seeing uh, houses that were empty and um, all the trailers where people were living basically in their yards because they couldn't occupy their houses and, um, and all these sorts of things, just going around town, there wasn't the energy or the excitement that I grew up with that I remember. But on Sundays at about midday when the Saints would play, all of a sudden for about a three- to four-hour window of time, our city was back to normal. And the next day, hopefully they won, which that during that time they won a lot of games. We had just gotten Drew Brees and Reggie Bush. And there was a lot of games won. And for, for just a little bit of time, that team banding together brought our city back to normal. It's something that I, I never quite experienced before, but I think it's that same kind of thing. When, uh, when, when people are desperate for hope, to see a team band together is a really, really exciting thing. Uh, in this series, we're, we're talking about that. Uh, the, the series is called uh, Dream Team, and it's about 
uh, the dream that God gave to Paul, who was an early church starter uh, during the uh, just after the time of Jesus. And God gave Paul this amazing mission to carry out to bring the life changing message of new life that's possible when you follow Jesus that mission uh, to the Gentiles. Basically, whenever you hear Gentiles, just think everybody that wasn't a Jew. The Jews were the first to hear the gospel message of, of Jesus. But his calling was to go to all the people who had never heard. And that's, a, I mean, that's just a massive, massive mission. And God raised up an amazing team that he built around Paul uh, to carry this mission out. And there's a lot that we can learn as a church from this because that's what God's calling us to do is to band together uh, to accomplish his mission. So last week uh, we talked a little bit about uh, just the extreme giftedness that Paul had, that this guy was somebody that no matter what he did, he was going to succeed. But even a person like that, if they're going to leverage their life and make the biggest possible impact, really needs a team around them. And from the very time that he came to Christ, the first time that he believed in Jesus, you see people helping him all along the way. And I use this picture. Uh, there's actually an, another version of it. Uh, if you were on Google this uh, Friday, I guess, uh, at some point, you somebody, 90% of this room was on Google, probably saw this. Uh, we're right in the middle of the World Cup of Rugby, which... I didn't even know until that day that that even existed, but it's exciting and people are getting excited about it, so check it out. Uh, but here's the next picture. This is kind of the image that I wanted us to think about of how we can team together. When we get joined together, kind of like this, what they call a scrum in uh, rugby, when we get joined together, when we, we work together, we link arms and say, hey, I'm going to be a part of the team, and we all move in the same direction we can make progress. So that's what we're trying to do. And that's kind of what we saw in uh, in the life of Paul. So uh, that's the goal of this series is that we're joining together and we're pushing in the same direction. Now, today we're going to, uh, to kind of add to this. Uh, we're looking at an aspect of team uh, that basically will allow us to succeed for the long term. If we can pull together and we move in the same direction, we can, we can see a lot of impact. We'll multiply the impact that we could possibly do by ourselves. But if we're going to succeed for the long term, there's an aspect of teaming together uh, that we're going to have to make sure, we're going to have to be very careful, is in place. Uh, today we're talking about how to stay united. Now, I apologize for all the sports analogies. I think in terms of sports, so uh, football, baseball, basketball, everything like that. There's tons of sports analogies that I'll probably draw during this ser- uh, this series. Uh, but if you're not into sports, that's okay. Uh, this really is about us teaming together. So we team here at church. Uh, Jeep gave some opportunities that we could uh, we can team together during the season. That's a very common thing that we do during the fall. Is we say, hey, you know what? I'll check out a group. I'll get on a I'll get on a service team. But you know, our families, our roles in the fa- in our families, uh, we're joining in on a team. In work, uh, we team up to get our work done to make an impact. Uh, there's other organizations that you might be a part of, but we really need to get a hold on how to be uh, successful in teams to make uh, the biggest impact we possibly can with our lives. So uh, today, uh, I want us to look at first two 
uh, things that, uh, that Paul ran into in the early church uh, that probably can teach us a lot about how uh, how teams get off track. Uh, the first, as we have up here, it's uh, two two ladies in the church, Yodia and Syntyche. When I was reading over this, I realized it kind of sounds like a like a Silicon Valley startup or something like that. But these were two Greek names, two ladies. Uh, but we find their story um, in Philippians four, uh, two and three. Very short part of this letter, but it says, I plead with Iodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I'm, uh, I ask you, my true companions, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So again, this is just another part of that list of people who worked alongside Paul. Paul did not work by himself. And these two ladies uh, were very valuable to Paul. They clearly were team, team members. He calls them co-workers. These were people that sacrificed for the work of the gospel the same way that Paul did, or in, in different ways, but uh, they worked together uh, to accomplish the mission. And they, they're clearly having an argument of some sort. Now, we don't know what that was. At no point in the scripture does it say, oh, here's the twist. This is why they were arguing. Um, I'm sure we all would have insight for what they can do to settle their arguments and get back on track. But this was a big enough problem that Paul is writing a letter to the church, and he includes this little segue about this rift between these two ladies in the letter. Can you imagine that? It's as though Paul, or uh, gee, I was going to call you Paul. There you go. Well, that is your name. There you go. I uh, <laughs> It's as though Jeep got up here one Sunday and said, hey, now, uh, I have a matter with Barry, and so, um, but I think it's serious enough that I want to tell everybody so we can all learn from the thing I need to correct Barry on. Um, Jeep, if that ever happens, I'm teachable. We'll, we'll take one. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that that doesn't happen, but this, this was a serious thing. So Paul says, hey, let me CC a couple of other people from the church on this thing, and I'm going to tell everybody what's going on between these two ladies. This was really, really serious. The second riff that we see is uh, in the church of Corinth, and it's found in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.10, and it's literally the first thing that they talk about in here. It's uh, basically they were taking pride in some um, spiritual heroes that they had in the church, uh, people that really invested in their lives early on, and it says... Uh, in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the, name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household had informed me that there's a quarrel among you. What I mean is this. One says, I follow Apollos. Uh, another follow, uh, or sorry, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Another, I follow Christ. This was a really, really big problem. And if you read through the rest of 1 Corinthians, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, you'll see that this church, they were a young church. They had a lot of good things going for them. But they had a lot of stuff that Paul had to call out and say, hey, guys, you can't do this. Even, even people that don't know Jesus don't struggle with this stuff. There were a lot of problems that Paul had to call out. And this is the first one in this letter that he says, hey, guys, we need to pay attention to this. These were very, very serious. And I think Paul could see 
that uh, you, disunity in the church is a really serious thing because it limits the impact that we could potentially have together. Uh, he basically was begging these churches. If you look at the, the language that he's using, he says, like, I appeal to you. I plead with you. He's begging the, uh, the churches to fix this, to figure out how to get back on the same page. He wanted everyone to be uh, aware of these issues that were happening. He said, hey, this is the top priority right now. If we were going to work on one thing to increase the impact of this church, we're going to need to deal with these relational issues. Um, so why was it important for Paul to address these issues in the church, disunity? Disunity has the uh, the Im- uh, the potential of limiting the impact that the church has. So as we band together, if there's problems in our relationships, if we can't join together and move the mission forward, it limits the impact that we have. Another thing is that uh, when you have people like Yodia and Syntyche who are high, high leaders in the church, if they can't get it right, it trickles down all the way to the bottom. So this becomes kind of the normal way we do things. Hey, listen, they can't get together and they're, they're high status. You know what? We don't have to do that either. They're not serious about clearing up relationships or getting, getting things right in this church. It limits the overall impact of the church when we can't get things together. So how do we experience this? Like, what does uh, disunity look like? The New Testament actually talks a great deal about uh, disunity and things that come up. And when you hear this list, you'll probably say, hey, I've seen that happen before. How about this one, jealousy? Have you ever seen jealousy uh, rise up in a group of people? I'm sure most of us have seen that one boil up from time to time. Desire and coveting. Selfish ambition, wanting wanting to be the top dog. Vain conceit. Uh, Ephesians 4.31 uh, kind of lists off a whole bunch of Bitterness, rage and anger, brawling, which I'm guessing is kind of like fighting, slander, every form of malice. Most commonly, if we wanted to bunch all these together is we want something, we have a desire, and we're not getting it. Another person is blocking us. And so what do we do with that? We see this all the time in our offices and our families when we're dealing with friends I think the older I get, the more I, I look at some of my relationships and go, I, I never would have thought we would ever see, uh, you know, wouldn't see eye to eye, that there would ever be a difficulty that would come between us in our relationships. Um, we've all seen different things that have come up. So the question is, and this is really what we're going to focus on today is, how do we stay united? So we've seen that this is something that comes up. We have relationship problems from time to time, even people that, uh, are in the tightest of relationships, will have disagreements and things pop up. But how do we stay united? In uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we kind of get a picture of some instruction that Paul gives to the church on how to stay united. So let's read that. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, 
but each of you to the interest of others. Some of you may have read this before and you've thought about this passage and how to apply this, uh, but I'd ask everybody just to kind of think about this brand new. Uh, how do we normally approach situations? I think all of us approach a situation and, you know, as I was thinking about how I approach conflict, I think I always go into every conflict thinking I'm right, right? Because I'm a pretty good guy by my own estimate. I go into every single conflict thinking to myself, okay, I know how this is going to go. I've really thought this through and I'm very smart. So I need to teach the other person why I'm right. I stick into the ground. That's my tendency. Maybe you're a little bit different, but for me, I kind of usually have that tendency of just kind of standing fast and trying to hunker down. But looking through these different terms, he says to make his joy complete. Basically, he's saying, hey, if you could do something that would just really complete the joy of what I've seen God doing in this church is to choose a different way of doing things. Choose a different way of going about your conflicts. So what are some of the things that we see here? He says, uh, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So basically, each one of these things is something that uh, you're going to have to make a choice about in the situation. And if every single one of my uh, struggles with in relationships happen through email, I don't know about you, you get an email that just makes you so mad, uh, you at least have a little bit of time on your hands. I have the tendency to type an email and then delete it and then take a little time, go to lunch, come back, maybe have another stab at that email, and then I finally usually give them a phone call. Uh, if every struggle that I had in my relationships happened like that, you know, you have some time to think, evaluate, kind of calm down. That's not normally the way it happens. Normally the way it happens is somebody comes to me, they uh, they say something that I don't like or present me with something that I don't want to deal with or whatever, and I react in the moment. And again, I'm right. We all know this. And so that's when the problem happens is that I, I hunker down and I just react. So how do we practically choose unity in a moment like that? Uh, there's a few things that I think we can see in this uh, this passage that could be practical ways of applying this. One is uh, stop trying to be right or get my way. So uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. The first step that I always have to take is to stop, get out of my little foxhole, stop hunkering down for a war, and just relate to the person. So if I can stop trying to be right and get my way, I already am in a better position to create unity in this relationship. The second thing is to choose to patiently listen and understand the other person. This is where you're looking out for their needs. You want to actually hear the other person. And I think I'm a pretty good listener, but I've learned over time 
that I normally have to listen to something three or four times before I really understand what the person is saying to me. You know, especially if I'm hunkered down and I have the point that I want to make and I'm trying to, you know, I just want to hear their side so I can tell them why it's wrong. If I'm going to create unity, I need to ask questions. I need to clarify things that I'm not sure about. And we need to actually have a discussion. So choose to patiently listen. The next thing is to seek God's help. We really can't do uh, anything in the spiritual realm without God's help. And uh, Paul here is talking about a church. And when we come to Christ, we have all sorts of interesting changes that happen in our life. Uh, we're a new creation. We are changed from death to life. Uh, there's all sorts of things that happen to us as individuals. But as a body, as a collected work, we're actually united with Christ as our, as our Lord, as our King, as our boss. We're actually, as a church, we are united together in Him. And so whenever we have a relationship issue in the church, we need His help. Uh, the way that I've kind of gone about this is just by asking a little prayer in my head, God, Call me down. Let me think this through. Maybe I'm wrong. Show me that, God. Help me in this situation. Maybe actually, if the, you know, if the situation calls for it, stopping and both of you praying together would be a good thing. But if you're dealing with a coworker or something like that, maybe not in the church context, uh, just saying a prayer in your head and uh, getting God involved in what's going on. Then the fourth thing is to choose the good of the other person. As a church, uh, this is why we have some things called the hard attitudes. Uh, some of you have heard about them. I know as uh, community groups, we're going through these as well. Uh, but basically, these are some attitudes that we take as a church in order to approach issues, conflicts, working together basically from the right attitude. So to put the goals and interests of others is hard attitude number one. And uh, I've found that extremely valuable in my relating to people uh, because it helps me take the right posture. And uh, Philippians 2 kind of goes on and talks about how uh, Jesus had a different posture that he took before God. And if Jesus was humble and took the right position before God, before other people, then that's a model that I really need to wrap my mind around and I need to get on board with. Uh, But being able to do that uh, has made a huge impact on my relationships uh, but there are limits on this. We're not going to do the other person's work. So, you know, looking out for somebody else's interest doesn't mean that I just go around and cave on every single thing and go do everybody else's job. Um, I'm not going to, um, to expect them to pay me back when I do something for their good. That's just a gift that I give uh, to them. And I'm not going to use this as an excuse for me not to carry my workload. Well, I, mean, I had to help this person. I had to con- consider their needs. Well, no, that means that I consider their needs, I help them out, and I do my work. Um, one way that I've seen kind of this whole cycle play out for me in work, and something that I say quite frequently on my job, is, hey, same team. A lot of times in uh, in marriage, in work, it's so easy to not even realize that in the conversation you're now standing on different sides of the ball from each other. You know, if we were all, every conversation at work I got in the scrum, like on the cover of the program, we linked arms and I said, let's attack this problem together. 
that would be one thing. But normally the way it works in work is, uh, you know, somebody brings a problem to me, we start talking about it, and then all of a sudden there's conflict because I'm taking my case and they're taking theirs and we're trying to, we're trying to win and we're trying to compete or we're trying to get our way. But in my work, we have a lot of different parts of our process. I, I'm in sales, so my, my main goal is I want to sell the products and services that our company um, our company offers. There's a lot of parts of this process that we have at our company that I have absolutely no control over. So when one of my customers calls me and there's something's not going right, I have to go to all these different parts to figure out where where is the issue um, you know, what can I do to help the situation? How can I help this customer? But a lot of times when you go to another department and you say, hey, what's going on here? You know, can I help you do your job? If I approach it that way, then they hunker down in their foxhole and they're looking at me going, you know, he's trying to get me to do his will. He's trying to get me to do what he wants me to do. But whenever we can take an approach where I say, hey, actually, we're the same team. We're, we're, we have the same goal in this. It's not my goal. It's actually the customer's goal. And you and I need to work together towards that same common goal. This has been something that I've seen over and over, like kind of a revelation. Where, and I, and even if I have to tell myself this, that, hey, actually, we're on the same team. There's conflict going on here. I can drop my defenses. Both sides can drop their defenses and say, oh, yeah, you're right. We're on the same team here. We're working together. We don't have to fight each other. We can work together towards a, a common uh, a common solution. And a lot of times, you know, that might mean that I have to say, hey, hold on. I was wrong here. I need, I, I actually messed something up. I'm actually coming to you because I need your help. We're, at, we're on the same team here. I'm not trying to force you to do my job or anything like that. I'll, I'll carry my load, but... I need your help so that we can make this right for the customer. We can work together for this. That's just one application. Um, again, anytime we come to another person and we have that right attitude, unity is created. Unity and peace is created in the relationship. And this is really what Paul is trying to tell the church. And this is what I want to encourage us today as we kind of wrap up this message is that when we band together, we can get a lot done. When we pool together our talents, time, energy, uh, the resources financially, and all sorts of different things that God has given us, when we pool it together, we can get a lot done together. But if there's disunity and trouble, then we go sideways, and we're just it's going to limit the amount of stuff that we can get done together. So as a church, um, if we stay focused on the mission, and we keep together, we stay united, God is going to use us to do some amazing things this year and into the future. Um, But we do have to choose, as individuals, we have to choose to stay united. We have to choose to do the things to stay united. So as we kind of wrap up, I'd like to have you think through uh, three next steps. The first one is to join the team. We talked about this last week, uh, but you can sign up for a group or a team on your connection card. Just uh, write that in. And uh, they'll get you more information about how to get started in that. Uh, but joining a team here at Church in the Valley really is you raising your hand and saying, hey, you can count on me. This isn't a golf club or a spa or something like that. I don't know if you get memberships to spas, but uh, this is a place where we, we're joining together and we just want to say, hey, count on me. I'm in. The next is in the middle of a, a conflict, 
recognize, train yourself to recognize that, you know what, we're on the same team. How do I get on the same team with this person? Uh, If we can do that, we'll move forward in our relationships. And then finally, uh, pray for God to show you a relationship that has been harmed by self-centered thinking. Uh, I know that God will do that. And so uh, as we wrap up today, uh, I pray that we'll we'll look through those and that um, that God really would use uh, us uniting together to do powerful things for his mission and his name. So uh, would you join me in prayer? Dear God, uh, we thank you so much for this group of people that you've brought together here in Alhambra, Monterey Park, and uh, beyond. And God, we ask you to um, to work in this group. Lord, I pray right now that if there are any relationships that are uh, not clear, if there's any relationships here uh, that uh, have disunity, have something between them, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to those people and that you would uh, you would help us see a next step that we can take to resolve that conflict. And I pray that moving into the fall, Lord, that you would unify us in a way that we could stay focused on your mission and that we would honor you through our lives. Lord, we love you. Amen.